Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, RJ, how does one follow up last week's Weezer cold open? Because that was pretty good. Got a lot of people talking, which is what it was intended to do. Well, in my not-so-expert opinion, all right, this is how we're going to follow it up. I'm going to first ask you an impossible-to-answer question. I mean, it's not technically impossible, but if you answer it, something's fishy. And then I'm going to follow that up with a question in which you're going to have to give an opinion, which I know is your favorite thing in the world to do, is go on the record and give opinions. Oh, boy. All right. So I thought I'd pull inspiration from, you know, one of the Kraken's most memorable moments from this past season, which, by the way, is going to be the theme of both this week's episode and next week's episode. Everybody is Kraken memorable moments. So, you know, get ready for all that as we celebrate podcast episode 50, RJ. I know a good yeah, cold open would 50 open 50 episodes. That. I know. So we have lots of fun stuff for that. We're going to get to it later, though, the, the big 50 stuff, because we got to get through this first, RJ. So first... I'm I'm pulling inspiration for this week's cold open from a memorable Kraken moment last year. Here's the impossible question. Which moment am I thinking of? Okay. What moment are you thinking of? Is it one that we're going to be talking about no. later today? I no. will I'll answer your question with a question. Okay. Um, it should be because I feel like for, for most people, this is probably like one of the top four or five moments they'll think of when thinking of that inaugural Kraken season. Okay, this is a tough one. Is This is the impossible one, not one where I have to give the opinion. Correct. Okay. Um, something Adam Larson did. <laughs> All right, when, when, he, when he walked around a defender and, and scored five-hole, and I pick which game because I think he did it a few times. <laughs> of course he did it a few times because he's, like, sneaky skilled, and he's, you know, if he wanted to be, he could put up Kale McCarr numbers. We all know that, right? Like, come on. He's just too cool for that. Yeah, he does. He just, that's all. Uh, no, it's the Morgan Geeky infamous Pizza Hut presser, RJ. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah, that, that was a fantastic moment. I mean, it, it should have made this list. It really should have. Yeah, I, I feel like that's in everybody's top five moments from the inaugural Kraken season. It was such a fun look into an NHL's NHL player's personality. It was relatable. It inspired people within our community to go and get pizza over the next 48 hours, right? Like, it was it was this big deal moment. And so uh, I wanted to build my cold open question around that. And so this is the question, RJ. What parts of natural, natu natural, national pizza chain, pizza things, would you use to build your best pizza? So, for example, who do you think has the best crust? Who's got the best sauce? Who's got the best cheese? Who's got the best toppings kind of thing? Like, in your mind, what would be Ooh. the perfect pizza using only, like, the big national chains? All right? And so okay, I'm well, gonna... this is an hour-long podcast topic on its I own. know. I know. I know. It should be. But uh, so I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. All right? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna give you mine right now, so you can take a moment. Because I know okay. that this is you know it's a big deal, and you do got to be careful with what you say here. So I think okay. Morgan Geeky. You're starting with Domino's crust, aren't you? No, I'm not actually. I think Morgan Geeky okay. is gonna like mine uh, because I'm gonna say the best crust is Pizza Hut. I'm gonna mm. say the best sauce is Domino's because it's it's got the right like balance of like sweetness and everything. And then the best cheese is also Pizza Hut, and I feel like that's the least controversial, or it should be. Like Pizza Hut has the best cheese. And then no toppings for me because all you need is cheese and extra sauce on a pizza. Okay, well, there's there's the real controversy. <laughs> okay, so I'm glad my opinions are, are not going to be uh, as bad as that. But um, so I'm going to go with Domino's crust then because I like okay. the little seasonings on it. I think that's mm -hmm. delicious. Um, 
the sauce, I still have to go with Domino's. You're right. It's got that perfect blend. Like, yes, that yeah. the sauce is the best. Cheese. All right. Are you ready for me to get roasted here? Oh, little you Caesars. You remember what pizza I would... <laughs> No, gosh, no. That that little Caesars isn't isn't really pizza. That there, there's my other take. Yeah. Um, but you remember where I would always have us get pizza whenever we, uh, you know, would have get-togethers and hang out at my house. Yes. I'm sorry, Papa John's. Papa John's. Let the hate come in. That is not the best cheese. That's insane. We're gonna, Dylan. Okay, this is a little bit of a spoiler for later in the episode, but like we're yeah. gonna open up the phone line and everyone's just gonna be mad at us for our pizza takes. We're not yeah. gonna get the voicemails that we want. No, we're not. Um, but you know what? That's that's what this is there for. I I just felt like pizza has been such a big part of our relationship over the years. RJ, how could we celebrate a fiftieth episode of a podcast we've done together without making it about pizza and without arguing about said pizza? Yep, have to do it. The one food I know that you're going to want to eat when you come over to my house. Exactly. Um, I'm surprised you didn't just talk about the, the Papa John's garlic sauce, because that's really what it's you It's so crave. good. It's yeah. so good. If you Must could, have. If you could buy that by the gallon, you would, I know. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So I alluded to it earlier. We've already kind of touched on it. Memorable moments are going to be the theme for this week. Um, we're going to go through kind of the top 10 most memorable moments from the Kraken season, uh, both give our takes on those. And then, as you mentioned, when we open up the phone lines later on, we're going to give uh, a number for everybody because we want to hear from everybody else what your most memorable moment was from this first Kraken season. Because as we were thinking about what, what we want to do for this 50th episode, we knew we wanted it to be special. And the bottom line was no matter what we thought of, we knew we couldn't do it without the community because without all of you guys we wouldn't still be doing this and certainly just our enjoyment of the Kraken season would not have been the same without being there every post game live with everybody to talk about each and every game without communicating daily with everybody on Twitter Instagram and Discord now you know what I mean like none of this journey would be the same without everybody else so we knew any celebration had to involve everybody so we're actually splitting up this podcast into two parts we're going to do part one today where we talk about our most memorable moments and talk about those and then next week it's just going to be all about hearing from the community and what all of your favorite moments were from the Kraken's first season so I'm going to give out a, a number later you can also email us you can text uh, uh, you know come at us on Twitter all that kind of stuff and next week we're just going to you know read everybody's favorite moments and, and talk about them or play the voicemail so if you do call into the vo and leave a voicemail to the number know that that will be part of the podcast next week so <laughs> just fair warning there um, but before we can dive into that RJ as the deep dive into favorable moments we got to do our quick hit segment we do have to talk about the news because there actually was a couple news items this week yeah we did get some it is august but it feels like the kraken are sprinkling a few of these in mm -hmm. uh, every week to talk about and i guess first we'll cover uh the kraken's official announcement that eddie olchek will be joining the broadcast team this is something that we knew about for a little while it was kind of rumored you, you know the the news was out there but the kraken made the official announcement uh, and we did get a media availability with him with john with jt with todd lywicky uh star-studded media availability yeah. for sure um it was it was a fun one too i mean todd lywicky starts speaking and he's like hang on a second and he goes and runs to the other room and gets uh on john and jt's camera behind them and talks about like hey these guys are awesome and they're just as excited for edzo joining the broadcast as i am uh, it was just a fun kind of lighthearted media availability um 
But I will get to kind of my three main takeaways because we definitely had some questions going into this, right, about kind of what Edzo's role is going to be, what the broadcast is going to look like, uh, and, and how everyone's kind of going to get along. So uh, I, I, first of all, I guess everyone said all the right things kind of about being happy to work with each other. The chemistry is going to be great. Uh, and they all did seem kind of grateful to have just more talent in the booth. The Kraken broadcast last season – they had a lot of talent there. I'd say the deepest broadcast in the NHL, uh, and they made it work. They made it where everyone kind of showcased their talents and, and it highlighted the best of everyone. So I'm confident they can make it work this season with another great voice uh, alongside everyone. So uh, that was you know pretty much as I expected. Everyone's quite happy with that. Um, number two. And this was probably my biggest question. Uh, how is it all going to work out logistically? It's a three-man booth. It's going to look different than what last season was. Uh, and basically, the answer is they're still figuring it out. Uh, Edzo said, we have lots of things to discuss. We've got lots of discussions still left to happen. So I think they don't know for sure at this point. Uh, it still is going to be flexible. They have to work around Olchek's uh, TNT schedule. And that schedule isn't out yet. So... Once that comes out, they figure out which games he'll be on, which games he won't. Uh, I think that'll provide some more clarity on things. Uh, and as far as someone going between the benches, didn't give an answer for sure on that. Uh, you know, Edzo talked about how great it is, you know, to have someone there and kind of giving perspective from that spot. Didn't give a hint, you know, who it might be or when that might happen. Uh, but I think everything's still kind of on the table at this point. Uh, so they'll figure that out. And then finally, third takeaway uh, the front office role, which is something that was rumored uh, that that maybe there would be some kind of front office role for for Olchek and that he, it's something maybe he was looking for in Chicago. Uh, the Chicago area podcast talked about, you know, don't be surprised if there's that role. Uh, I had my hand raised trying to ask that question. It, it was, uh, you know, there were a lot of questions in that presser. Never got around to me, so I didn't get to ask. I'm still curious. If we talk to Ron Francis, maybe around training camp, it's something I'd like to ask him. Uh, but we still don't know about that. And yeah, I guess we'll see. So Dylan, I mean, did you, uh, I'm sure you saw kind of my takeaways, my tweeting from that. What did you think of the presser and ultimately about the answers that we got about what the broadcast is going to look like? Yeah, well, as far as the presser goes, I mean, you said star studded. I was just like trying to calculate, like, what is the net worth of the everybody I'm seeing in these <laughs> shots, right? It's, it's pretty up there. Um, yeah, I, I think the big thing everybody was most curious about was the logistics of how this is all going to work. And, you know, are we going to see three people just up in the booth uh, for all those games? And I, I'm getting the feeling that that's what they're going to do. Like, it just really, like the fact that they haven't designated, you know, like say JT, just as an example, to go down between the glass tells me that they probably want to do the three people up top, which can work. Um, I'm struggling to think of times where I've really enjoyed it, having all three people up there. Um, like the, the biggest examples that pop into my brain are like, you know, Monday Night Football the last couple of years, right? They've had a three-man booth and it's, it's been okay. Um, there's been, you know, plenty of like baseball times where there's there's been groups of three up in the booth and it's and it's fine. Um, I just, I love that in hockey, you have that opportunity to have somebody down there between the benches 
who can see things at ice level because it's a completely different perspective that can be there to report on the chirping between, you know, benches and what the players are saying and what they're talking about when they're arguing with the ref or something like that. Like, I think that's so dynamic and so unique to the sport of hockey. And that is like, you know, the one thing I will always give Pierre Maguire credit for was he came up with that and that was absolutely a genius move and it changed hockey broadcasting forever. And so I, of course, want that for the Kraken because the other thing I was thinking of, and obviously I haven't watched like local broadcasts for all 31 other teams now, but I don't think anybody else has that as part of just their local broadcast coverage. Obviously, nationally, we get that a lot, but I don't think anybody has somebody between the glass. Certainly not full time. I know uh, I, most of my experience watching broadcasts over the years has been with the Sharks. I know occasionally if they had a third guy or something, they would they would put someone between the glass. There was you know, Jamie Baker and Brett Hedekin sometimes would you know mm -hmm. would both be on and one of them would move behind the glass. But certainly not full time. I don't recall seeing that. Yeah. And so I think that would be like a really cool, unique thing to just, you know, we already know that the Kraken's coverage for all this stuff is, you know, basically the best it can be to begin with, just because of all the people involved and how well they've handled it and all that stuff. Root's done a fantastic job. I just think that would be the thing that would just be like, oh yeah, you know, as we were talking about it, right? They finished second, I believe, in that athletic thing, right? For coverage? Yep, number two. Yeah, that's the thing that like puts you over the top. And it's like everybody around the league would have to look and say like, okay, it's not just the personalities and the, and the skilled people they have involved. They have that too, which is just, that's next level. You know what I mean? So I still want to see that, but just based on the feeling and all the information we have been getting throughout this process, I'm not sure we're going to. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure about that. We'll see. I think uh, Eddie would agree with you, though. He talked about how great it is to have someone down there at ice level. So um, we'll see what they decide to do. I wouldn't surprise me if they changed it up a little bit, too, mm -hmm. uh, if they kind of called some audibles and, and, and worked with different things in the schedule. So uh, we'll see what it ends up being. But just really excited to have Edzo on board. Um, and yeah, it was good to hear from him. Yeah, no, I, I'm still super pumped for it. I like, like we were kind of talking about just now, that a great broadcast is somehow getting better. <laughs> yep, amazing That's... what they've been able to do. Yep. Um, so, all right, moving on to the second bit of news. And this one relates to the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, we knew they were going to have four games in the Seattle area before moving to their permanent home of Acrisure Arena uh, in the Coachella Valley. And uh, now we know when and where those games are going to be. Uh, so they're going to have four games, as I mentioned. The first one will be Friday, October 21st. That one's against Abbotsford. It will be at the Kraken Community Iceplex at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Now, this is a sold-out private event, uh, according to uh, a team press release. And uh, as are both games uh, we'll see at uh, the Kraken Community Iceplex. Now, I believe that... It would be rink one, and it only seats 500. Anyone who's been there for an open practice knows just how small uh, of a rink that is if you're going to have an actual pro game there. Um, so it's going to be very limited seating, uh, and as we'll get to in the second game, we'll, we'll see you know where those tickets go. So uh, the next game would be Sunday, October 23rd, also against Abbotsford, and that one is at Climate Pledge Arena. So that one's at 6 p.m., and the Kraken actually play earlier that day against the Chicago Blackhawks at 11 a.m. So we're going to have a, a fun uh, kind of what not back to back. What's it called? Double header. Double header. 
Yep, going to have a fun double header there where we get the Kraken and then the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, if you are going to that Kraken game, highly recommend getting tickets uh, for, for the Firebirds game afterwards. I mean, who wouldn't want more hockey, right? Um, just fill the day with some hockey. And uh, so, t- oh, by the way, tickets go on sale to the general public for that one, August 22nd at 10 a.m. Uh, that is, I believe, six days from now. Yeah. Yep. So be ready for that one. Uh, the next game is Friday, October 28th uh, against Calgary, and that one's at Angel of the Winds Arena in Everett. So that one will be at 7 o'clock uh, p.m. So tickets also go on sale same time, August 22nd, 10 a.m., both of them via Ticketmaster. Uh, so that's how you can get your tickets. But I think it's cool that they're going to another junior team's bar, and we saw with the three-rink rush, we'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode, uh, how great it is uh, when the you know, teams in the Kraken organization get out to some of these junior rinks. It's always a great atmosphere. Yeah. And that was kind of what a lot of us thought was going to happen when we knew that Coachella Valley was going to have to play some games up in the Seattle area. We just kind of all assumed like, oh, well, hey, just just do the same thing. Go hit all the different locales. Right. And uh, and and let's let's make that happen. So that's why this this whole KCI thing is so interesting to me. Because obviously it's going to create like a very unique atmosphere. I mean, we've been talking about the Coyotes, right? Playing in this college barn and it's going to be small and intimate and all that stuff. It's not going to get much more intimate than playing at Kraken Community Iceplex in front of 500 people. Um, So I'm really intrigued to see how well that that does. I think it's going to be fantastic for the people who can attend. Um, I I think we know now kind of right that it's going to be open to, to season ticket holders and they have to do something to get in. It sounded like based on what I was yeah. seeing. So it, it, that's going to be interesting. I don't know if they're going to like, you know, rope off those those couple tables of like 32 bar and grill that'll have viewing access or if you're just going to oh, right? <laughs> camp out up there all day or something. Uh, so it's going to be really, really interesting. But I still think that it's a really cool concept that you're going to have, you know, the second highest level of professional hockey in North America playing at your practice facility, playing there where people are doing, you know, potentially a public skate. 25 feet away right you know what i mean like i I think that that is a fun thing um and i think it's good for the community and everything and then yes i mean i've always been on board with getting them into the junior barns just because i think that's so much fun and you get to you know continue to build that you know funnel those already hockey fans towards the kraken and and make them that much more uh involved in the overall process of what the kraken are trying to do by having the firebirds play in front of them Exactly. You have ready-made hockey fans already there. Uh, and, and yeah, giving them exposure to, to the Kraken organization at all levels is, is going to be a great idea. So looking forward to that game in Everett. And then I'll, I'll just hit this last one here. Uh, Saturday, October 29th against Calgary uh, at KCI, 3 p.m. Uh, I believe the Kraken have a game that day, a home game at 7 p.m. So I guess if you're if you're going to the Firebirds game at three, maybe just then you take the light rail down to uh, down to Climate Pledge and and hit the Kraken game if you can. Um, and you're right. So this it says this event is sold out. Limited tickets will be available through a season ticket member lottery for Kraken and Firebirds season ticket members. So that's kind of how we found out about the schedule at first is that season ticket holders started seeing emails about, OK, you know, here's when the games are and here's how we're giving out the tickets. So uh, apparently it's going to be a lottery for season ticket holders and a pretty competitive one at that because yeah. <laughs> there are a lot more season ticket holders than there are seats. Uh, but it certainly will be a great experience for anyone lucky enough to be there. Yeah, good luck to all involved. Um, 
the, my last thing on it, RJ, is just to ask you, like, do you think it's strange that for the one at Climate Pledge, they're not just folding in the tickets to the Firebirds game into people who already have tickets for that Kraken game earlier in the day? Interesting. I mean, it. Yeah, you could do that, I suppose, where the ticket kind of gets you into both. Uh, but I think they they probably well one want to get sell more tickets yeah. uh, and two also want to have an opportunity for different people to go because you know, not everyone that that can make it out to see a Kraken game let's be honest they're more expensive mm. those tickets yeah uh, you know could go see the Firebirds game and I think you want to give people the chance to to kind of do one or the other mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I've I've seen teams in the past where they've had double headers I know the Sharks we used to do that uh, when the Barracuda right. were also playing at SAP Center uh, where you know ticket for one would be good for both um so yeah I, I suppose i'm not surprised if it was a more common occurrence if the firebirds were playing more games in seattle i'd say maybe uh i would expect to see that but since there's just four I, i'm not all that surprised yeah i was just thinking because of the logistics of clearing everybody out cleaning it and then like doors open right for the next set of people like it just seems like a lot uh uh, the crew at Climate sure Point is, is going to be busy. Yeah, they're going to be busy yep. for sure. So, uh, but I'm I'm sure they can handle it. It's a well-run building. It's, it's a fantastic building. When can we go back, RJ? I want to go back? I know. I miss it. I I live right over here by it. I walk by it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, let me in. You know, <laughs> just let me in. Yes, it's been too long. Uh yes, and and it's been the place of so many memorable moments to come up with a with a fun segue there. So as we transition into the into the deep dive into our most memorable moments from this Kraken season, uh, just again, just want to talk about how we're we really want to incorporate the community into this because you know the community has been all of it, and so we we're super excited to hear uh, everybody's like personal favorite moments from the Kraken season and please make them personal. Let us know. You know what I mean? Like that's the stuff we want to hear. And I'm sure everybody wants to hear because that's the stuff that makes this sport and this community so great is that we've all bought in and we're all such passionate fans around this. Right. And over the last year, the Kraken have been such a, you know, mainstay part of our everyday lives. And, and I know that, you know, I'm people from the Kraken do listen to this from time to time and i think it would be really cool if they got to hear all that stuff too and so i think it's it's fun to um for us to also be a platform not just to celebrate with everybody uh about the kraken's first season and kind of really kind of put a put a period on the end of that first year as we you know get towards the end of august here and look towards training camp but also just to you know be a platform uh, another way for the kraken to hear how much they've meant to us and everything i think that's going to be really special uh so i'm just gonna go ahead and drop the number once now and then we'll talk about it again at the end rj but for everybody who who uh does want to call in and leave a voice message uh the number is going to be 425-243-7053 so that's just like a google phone number we set up that you should be able to call and leave a message if it's not working please let us know <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh and should then be. and then like i said the idea assuming it's not going to be like a thousand people leaving voice messages uh, that are like, you know, five minutes long each. The idea would be that we can incorporate those into next week's podcast episode and and air those and just kind of make it this, you know, however long it's going to be just like this mega podcast, just celebrating the Kraken and and celebrating what an amazing first year the Kraken had. Uh, So excited about that. Again, numbers 425 two four three seven zero five three and then i'll repeat all that and everything else at the end but let's go ahead and dig into our 
top moments from the Kraken season, RJ. We've got this list of 10 here that uh, you have assembled, and I think it's a really good list. We were originally going to do our own separate list, but then we realized there's just way too much overlap to do something like oh, yeah. that. So I got this list here, and I think the this first one we're going to talk about is really going to be the only controversial one here, RJ. Dylan, one sec, and I'm sorry to like just derail oh, okay. all of this before we get started. But some breaking news just into my into my email inbox here. Uh, got an email from Kraken PR. It, while we while we could still be on the news segment here, yeah. Uh, Kraken strengthened broadcast team with two additional hires. Okay. Uh, Kraken announced that they have signed Allison Lucan to a new contract. All right. Fantastic. Awesome. That's a great move. And added Nick Olchek to the organization's broadcast team. Okay. So that so, so obviously Allison. Thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keep it Allison around. That's that's good news for everyone involved. Now, that the, the other name sounds familiar, RJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I've heard that last name somewhere before. Yeah. Uh, maybe even on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so. Yep, so that Nick Olchek, that is uh, Eddie Olchek's son. He has done a lot of broadcast work with the Blackhawks organization where Eddie or Edzo was. Um, and he has gotten everywhere I've seen just like rave reviews from Blackhawks fans. Uh, he tweeted earlier this morning, just, um, you know, thanks to the Blackhawks organization and looking forward to my next opportunity. Didn't say where, uh, now we know where, yeah. um, and everybody on there commenting was talking about just how great he is, how much they're going to miss him in Chicago. We'll see what he ends up doing, uh, on the broadcast. I'm trying to scan this email real yeah. quick. Uh, just to see if it says, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause I, I'm not obviously not being into the Chicago area. I'm not too familiar with his work, but you're right. Everybody on social media is acting like he's done a fantastic job there. So, uh, again, just great broadcasting team just keeps getting better and better. Uh, here we go. Olchek will work across both television and radio in addition to taking on a content development role with an emphasis on new media and streaming. Uh, so that that's what he's going to be doing. Now, yeah. That, yeah, that is interesting because I was thinking that, you know, I, I do think the Kraken have room for more like video content, more stuff like like for a YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Like yeah, I have certainly. felt that. So the idea of them bringing in somebody to do that kind of stuff is is a good idea in my mind. The streaming idea is interesting. Right. Yeah. I wonder what they're going to be doing as far as streaming. I mean, hopefully we'll get some more answers on that soon, but certainly some exciting possibilities. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, you know, obviously your mind goes to like a hard knock style type thing maybe, but it could also just as easily be just like, oh, marketing buzzword. Everything's yep. about streaming now. So <laughs> New we media, say... streaming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, those are the two things that uh, pop into my, my mind first and foremost. It's a really awesome one. And then the potentially more realistic eh, it's buzzwords. Yep. So thank you, Dylan, for dealing with <laughs> yeah, that. No, about no, to that's head right news. in this. You do this whole segue. Uh, I derail it with some breaking news. But hey, at least it's not after we're done recording. That is true. I will take that every day of the week. All right. But now getting back in, going into our deep dive into these top 10 moments here, RJ. And like I said, this first one is a little controversial. I think this is the one place where you and I would butt heads about like whether or not this should be a memorable moment, whether or not there should be something else here. Why don't you go ahead and tell people what, what we're going to be starting this list off with? Okay, so number 10, and I will make my case for yeah. why this qualifies uh, as, as one of the top 10 great Kraken moments of the season. November 19th against Colorado. 
Now, uh, those who may not remember this game all that fondly, the Kraken were playing against the eventual cup champs, the Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. and it went about as bad on the ice as you could imagine. Uh, it was one nothing abs, 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, 5 nothing, and early in the third period, Nicholas Obey-Kubel scores to make it 7-0 to zero, Colorado. And uh, to top it off, right off that next face-off, this is the moment I remember the most, uh, Colorado just instantly gets a breakaway. The Kraken D pinch mm-hmm. in. Might have been like Cole Sherwood or someone getting a breakaway. And Philip Grubauer makes the save. And that might have been the loudest groo that I heard from the crowd all season. And everyone kind of stood up, gave applause. I mean, they're down seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, I had never really seen that uh, before. I've watched yeah. a lot of hockey, and I just I'd never seen a reaction quite like that uh, from the fans. And and this game, it was Kraken hadn't been doing all that well so far in the season, uh, and and it was ugly. Like it was an ugly seven to zero game. And I was just wondering how was the crowd going to react because they weren't booing the team yet. Yeah, and. I, I was just wondering, okay, when are they going to turn? Because this is an expansion team. You just don't know how people are going to react. And they stood up. They cheered. They got really loud. Loudest point at any point in the game. Um, and the Kraken turned it around at least a little bit, scored about a minute later on the power play, added another power play goal, and then scored a third one. It was a 7-3 to three final. The Kraken were never really in the game, but I think this was such a special moment because, look, any city will, will cheer and be loud and kind of get by an expansion team if they're playing their first home game, they go on a big winning streak. But I think this was something special that really just showed something unique about Kraken fans. And most importantly, it stuck with the players. This is a game that the players have consistently brought up unprompted when talking about the fans. And if you were there that night, seriously, just give yourself a pat on the back right now, uh, because this is something that meant so much to the players. Now, we'll get to a few more positive moments in this top 10, uh, but I don't believe that some of those would have gone the same way if not for this game. I think this game kind of has a ripple effect through the season, and it'll show up later in this countdown. Yeah, and and you make a good argument, and I'm going to go ahead and strengthen your argument here. Uh, because wow, okay. Yeah, I know. Because not only do the fans help them score those three, and, and let's be honest, the fact that two of those goals were power play goals, like two power play goals in one period, like we'll talk about memorable moments, right, for the crack of that first season. Uh, right. But but not only that, but they come out, and they, that next game is that Washington game that they win 5-2, and then they go on to beat Carolina a couple nights later, if everybody remembers this. Then they go on the road to Florida, lose to Tampa, but then beat the Panthers to give the Panthers their first home loss, right? Like, that that moment was so much more than just, hey, the fans are sticking behind this team that at that point had lost their previous five and were certainly on the road to losing that one and all that stuff. It was a galvanizing moment that really propelled the Kraken, and that was the first those next couple games were those first couple times that we saw, hey— this team does have the pieces to be competitive against anybody in this league, you know, beating a couple playoff teams there. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, that meant so much to the players. It really energized the franchise as a whole and got them uh, going for the first, you know, what I would argue first kind of real memorable stretch of games, which was those next couple games. And that's what all I was really going to argue was just that mm-hmm. eh, maybe it's not that so much as the wins afterwards, but, I do think that there's an aspect to that game kickstarting 
that next little bit right. there where they win three of their next four, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I do think that it belongs on this list. And I do think that it's an important thing. And especially because as we're talking about community, the Kraken fan base, all that stuff and how important it all is, that's a prime example of how important this is and how important the relationship between this fan base and team is. Exactly. And I think there's something to be said for kind of playing without fear and being able yep. to do that, knowing that your fans are going to have your back no matter what. Yeah. Uh, it's something we see maybe the opposite side of in some maybe Canadian markets, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the downsides of it. But I, I think it just is really important for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think the only other thing that people might might put in there is the first three game win streak. This was also kind of the one thing that I was like, you know, trying to figure out where to fit in on the list was their first three game win streak late in the year. And I know I'm biased because I was there for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that, that I'm sure plays part of it. But also it's still just the fact that we all wanted to see a three-game win streak before the end of the season. You're down to just a handful of games left, but you got Matty Beniers now. And you yes, you beat the Devils in a shootout, which, okay, okay, we can build off of this. Then you get, you know, Ottawa, you beat Ottawa, and then it was Colorado. And it was like, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to have to step up and beat a really good team if we want to get this three-game win streak before the end of the year, if we want to do it all at home. And the team was able to step it up and beat Colorado fairly handedly, too. Like, there was just a couple moments Colorado looked dangerous, and, of course, they score on both of those. But, you know, the, the team did a really good job there at the end of the year. So Absolutely. It shows how, how far they came from, from that game to the, the, the later Colorado game. Exactly. All right. So moving on to number nine on the list. Uh, the first day of training camp. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just an exciting moment for, for anyone following the Kraken at that time. Uh, what an exciting time to get to see all the players finally on the ice together for the very first time, seeing the line rushes, seeing the D pairs. For a lot of us, it, it all kind of finally felt real. Uh, and for for me specifically, it was the last day before I was actual media. Uh, I had gotten one of those tickets that they, they you know sent out to the fans. Like you could claim one or two uh, for yourself for just one of the select days of training camp. I made sure to get the first day. I got on there really early and uh, just kind of went as this half fan, half media kind of thing, just, you know, trying to make it all work and trying to cover the event. And it was uh, just a really interesting experience. Um, I kind of almost felt the transition, too, because I was watching it from the stands with the other fans, with Scott Brendan from Cheap Seat Sports. You know, shout out to Scott. He was good company that day. Um, and then afterward, when the players went on to rink two after the main practice and a few more guys uh, just ran some drills and were doing other things, I went up kind of by the Starbucks to go see them do that on rink two and uh, Everett and JT were there and they were kind of watching the drills too. And I got to hang out with them a little bit, uh, you know, chat about what they thought of the first day of training camp. And, you know, they didn't really know who I was like, why, you know, why would they? Um, but they were really, they were really nice. I kind of explained, you know, that I was from Emerald city hockey and hopefully I'd be covering the team one day. Uh, and they were just really nice and, and uh, it was fun to watch with them. Uh, so just a, a great, memory i'm sure for everyone but also just that's kind of my perspective on it yeah i mean i i just think it was as you said it was the moment where it all finally felt real right because before that we had the expansion draft where we got to see a handful of players put on the jersey and stuff but here you're seeing them suit up in pads and you're seeing 
everybody, right? I mean, I remember everything was like, okay, is, is you know, Blackwell, Yanni Gord going to practice and all that stuff. And Yanni Gord being in the red no-contact jersey through training camp and stuff like that. And, and, and then, yes, the excitement around who's going to be playing with who, right? After the expansion draft, it was just all of us were just playing around with potential lineups in our heads, trying to see how it's going to work as we go through the expansion draft and then free agency. And, okay, wow, we're bringing in Jaden Schwartz. How's that going to work? Marcus Johansson, how's that going to work? You know what I mean? Like, who's fitting where? Oh, my gosh, Philip Grubauer. Okay, so it's not going to be Drieger. How's that timeshare going to go, right? And it was it was just like this this very, like, it felt it was very frenetic, even though nothing was really happening month re- between the expansion draft and free agency and then the start of training camp. And so getting in and and having training camp finally take place and answer some of those questions. And really, none of those questions were actually answered day one of training oh. camp. How could they be, especially for a team of all these guys that, you know, barely knew each other, much less had played together before. Um, but it was just this time of, you know, just nothing but optimism and just wide-eyed like wow this is happening there's a Seattle NHL team you know what I mean and I think that's the big takeaway for for everybody uh looking back on that time is just it was just such a special moment of it becoming real and and taking that next major step towards you know opening night and the team existing and being a franchise in the NHL on paper in the record books that'll last (laughs) you know for the end of time kind of thing and uh and just I just remember how excited everybody was and how special it felt and and just like I said it was nothing but good feelings there was no negativity yet it was just how good it all (laughs) felt to see everybody there there's you know it wasn't they weren't losing yet there wasn't anything like that it was just good good times yeah, for sure. And like with the lines and everything, I think we all knew that there wasn't a whole lot of insight from day one. But we didn't care. No. We're like, yeah, you know, put the Geo uh, Geo Alexiak pair, just pencil it in. We love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, just went with it because it was just fun. Yeah. Well, that was the other stuff, too, because like Geo being named captain and all that stuff was right around in there. And like it was just it was just fun because everything was happening. You know what I mean? And it was just so exciting. And every day brought something new that we could all kind of, you know, wake up to or kind of, you know, wake up, spend an hour at work or whatever, and then have happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Fun time. I'm enjoying this already. You know, I, I love the nostalgia. I love to reminisce. Uh, so moving on to number eight, and that's the three rink rush. So we talked a little bit about this going into the WHL buildings, how great that's going to be for the Firebirds. Uh, but the Kraken did that first, and I think they did it perfectly. Basically, what do you want to do when your arena isn't done yet? I mean, it's it was a dilemma they really had to face. Yeah. You can't play preseason games at, at your home arena, uh, but you've got three great WHL barns in your state, complete with a ton of fans ready to see this brand new team. I think it was the perfect solution. Uh, just one of those things that as soon as they announced, I'm like, yeah, this is brilliant. Uh, and I think it turned out just as great as everyone expected. Uh, I went to the games in Everett and Kent, and what I liked about them so much was how different they were. I mean, you really got to see two different WHL fan bases who, let's be honest, can sometimes beat each other's throats during hockey season, but they rallied together to support the same NHL team, each in their own way. And I just love seeing the contrast there, uh, but also just that great passionate support for the Kraken. Yeah. And uh, for, again, just building off of the stuff from training camp, it was 
I just remember watching, seeing the different line combinations, seeing who's working with each other, seeing the the different rosters between games because it's before they've made their final cuts, right? We were seeing Luke Henman, right? First player in crack mm-hmm. in history coming in and looking okay and stuff, right? And and it was it was just so exciting, especially just to see that first game against Vancouver and and just just to see it all actualized and get our first taste of the broadcast team too that was that was a big thing everybody had questions how's how's you know jt brown gonna do in his first experience doing this how's how's it gonna be having forsland around and you know what are the what are the jerseys gonna look like over pads because this is like the first time we're seeing them over pads in a game situation answer pretty damn dope (laughs) right like oh yeah it looked amazing (laughs) and and that was i think another big thing was i just remember twitter going crazy uh, when guys came out for warm up wearing those jerseys and those pictures just spreading like wildfire across social media as we all got that first look and we all got pumped up to see them play and we got to see that first game and I remember you know trying to pay attention okay what's their power play look like what's all that stuff and it was just so much fun and it was such a joy and I think you know it's it should be the textbook model for a team when you're entering the NHL to go and play kind of around your region at different rinks just to help build that fan base and get them, you know, excited for the incoming team. And I know that it's easier said than done in the Kraken's case, just because you had those WHL teams nearby, but I just, it just, it was so special for everybody involved. And I I just remember all the people who got to go to those games and all the great stuff that they had to say about it afterwards. And just, again, how excited and pumped up they were. I mean, that's, those are moments in life that they're never going to forget. You know what I mean? That you're never going to forget that I'm never going to forget, even though I was just watching on TV, right. Of, of seeing this franchise be born just a really, really special moment. And, and thinking back to the, that Riley Shea and goal, the first preseason goal mm-hmm. in Kraken history, one of those moments uh, that just made it feel real in Spokane there against the Canucks. Um, just I want to shout out to Riley Shea and uh, he signed with Buffalo the other day. Yeah. Um, you know, con- congrats on the contract there. And, uh, you know, always remember that moment for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as well as many others from his time in Seattle. Um, just, yeah, fun experience. And then also you got a sense of a little bit of magic, you know, coming from behind in the, in the Spokane yep. game. And then uh, also in the Everett game, I, it was a one nothing game for a long time and yeah. the Kraken pulled the goalie late. Uh, Jaden Schwartz with the tip to tie it. Uh, and then Jared McCann with the OT winner. Uh, just w- what a game. Yeah, no, they were just special, special times. Uh, I just, yeah. Thinking back to them, you just get that rush of all those fun emotions and everything again. It's, it's really fun. Absolutely. So moving on to number seven, and that is the skills showcase. So, so many memorable moments from this. I mean, it's it's a whole day. You can, you can pick out a top 10 moments just from this one event. Uh, you got the hardest shot competition with Gio and Geeky and Alexiak. Even Grubauer going at it for the hardest shot. Uh, you know, the obstacle course, the puck juggling relay. Uh, so many great uh, choices to choose from as far as moments there. Um, but one thing I loved about it was that it was a family event. The players kind of brought their kids. It was fun for everyone. And that the Kraken kept the tickets cheap and really made this an accessible event to go to. I talked to so many fans afterward, asking them, you know, what they thought of the event. Cause really the Kraken had never done anything like this before. I was curious what people thought. And I can't tell you how many people, the first thing they said was how glad that they were. They could finally come see the Kraken players in person mm-hmm. with their families because 
remember at that time a game was two hundred dollars a yeah. ticket and the prices weren't going down. It wasn't like late in the season you could snag one late. Uh, and you know that's that's pretty expensive. So this event really made everything accessible for the fans and in a really fun way too, where you just got to see the player's personality unfiltered, not having to worry about a game or, or winning anything. Um, it was just a, a great day and and the Kraken need to do this again. Need to do it every year. Can't wait to see what Maddie Beneers, maybe Shane Wright, uh, mm -hmm. can come up with as far as the skills they can show off. Yeah, and and the big question of you know can we see a personality from Shane Wright? Mm -hmm. That would be oh, a big I, one. I think so. <laughs> I think so too. Oh, I'm a strong believer in that. Uh, yeah, I mean we've talked about it. Anytime you get to see NHL players' personalities, like I talked about with the Morgan Geeky Pizza Hut presser, like that was like this unprecedented moment for us as hockey fans rj as lifelong hockey fans that that a player would like go along with a bit for that long like oh my gosh right and so uh it, it was just a special thing to have them all there to have them with their families out there on the ice too it's just it's a fantastic moment like i i, I don't know it's just one of those things like it almost doesn't even need to be said how how great and special that is and and um yeah just hope they keep doing it i don't see why you wouldn't make turn that into a tradition it just wins all the Has way to around be. yeah yeah such a great success afterward and i remember also getting to talk to some of the players afterward and um asking uh i believe it was morgan geeky you know who's who's the best chirper out there uh you know the chirping skills and and he said yanni gord i got to ask yanni a couple days later you know yeah. do you agree with that do you think it's you and he's like no no it's not me and like okay then who is it and he's like well I don't know. I can't tell you anyone. So maybe that means it is me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so just some great, great lighthearted moments there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. What do hey, we got? Moving next? on. Yes. So we've got at number six, the Jordan Eberle hat trick against Buffalo. That was a fun moment. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those early season moments where you felt like too, hey, this team might have turned a corner. This team might actually be good. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels like a long time ago since, but Buffalo actually had a pretty hot start to their season yeah. and they had a good record going into this game. It wasn't just, Oh, it's Buffalo. It doesn't count. No, they, the Sabres were looking pretty good at this point in the season. Uh, and of course the first hat trick is just a big milestone for a team, something the fans are really waiting for and something you never really know for sure when it's coming too. Mm -hmm. you can have a lot of two goal games that don't result in hat tricks. Uh, and, especially the shot on the third goal as Eberly skates in and just kind of trickles under Dustin Tokarski mm -hmm. goes in slowly. Uh, just the, the build up there uh, you really felt it in the crowd and in the reaction too. It was just a fantastic moment to be there for in person. Yeah. And uh, a natural hat trick too at that, which is, That's right. which is always fun too. Um, yeah. And, and this was, it was at a good moment for them too, because you know, the Kraken three and six going into that game struggling a little bit we all knew you know we we remember um but it was it, you know coming off a, a rough loss against Edmonton too it was like our first experience it just kind of like oh wow okay this is this this could be rough uh uh and so to come back and answer in that way and Everly was going and we were like okay because you know he was the guy after the expansion draft the one thing everybody knew was Everly was going to be on the top line and this guy's going to be the guy who's going to lead the team in scoring Right. Like that was the the, the messaging uh, really from everybody at that time. And so to see him get that first hat trick in team history, it all just felt like like destiny was coming together and and we were seeing all this stuff. And we do have, you know, this guy is going to be the, the guy that's going to lead this group of forwards and all that kind of stuff. And it was 
it was a fun, fun time still in those early days. And he had kind of a slow start to the season too, and it yeah. felt like the floodgates were finally opening. Yep. Scored early in that game at Montreal a few a few games ago, and mm -hmm. uh, you also felt like the the Kraken could do special things at home too. Yes, that yeah, they had that really rough road trip to start the season, but yep. hey, if we can just get to these home games, uh, that things are going to start going right. Um, yep. So it was just a, a great moment there. Yeah. All right, moving. Moving on to number five, and this is a big one. We're getting into a lot of big ones here as mm -hmm. we get to the top five. Uh, the home opener. And uh, what what a memorable game. What, you know, what a buildup. Kraken, as I mentioned, had that rough road trip to start the season, but they were coming home, brand new building, and we all got to finally really appreciate Climate Pledge Arena. Now, if you remember, they had just taken the barricades off the construction site a few days prior. Uh, it was still, in a lot of ways, felt like an active construction site. I was there for morning skate, and there were welders working on the on the seats and everything. Uh, you could tell it was definitely still a work in progress. Um, but it was just so great to be inside and see that everything was ready to go for an NHL hockey game. Uh, you had the buildup with Gary Bettman uh, was there and kind of gave a little speech dedicating the arena. Uh, it's always great when you have the commissioner in attendance. Uh, you know, the fans do what to do. That's for sure. Even though, uh, you know, maybe a cheer would have been good just be just because, you know, he helped get the team here yeah. and whatnot. But you got to boo the commissioner. Um, and then before the game, too. Uh, yeah, the, the big intro and everything. Todd Lywicki giving his Vince McMahon style speech yes. about how we got the team here. We've got it. We've done it. Here it is. Uh, and of course, raising that 32 banner uh, that, that stays in the rafters now. Uh, just really special, even before puck drop. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the game. Yanni Gord with the breakaway, like 10 seconds in, yeah. uh, you know, almost blew the roof off the place. Uh, but still a great start because the one thing I wanted out of that game was for the Kraken to score the first mm -hmm. goal. Just just started things off well. And at the end of the first period, it came Vince Dunn with a snipe into the top corner uh, against Thatcher Demko. And everyone was rocking. Uh, just such a great moment there. And yeah, the Kraken uh, didn't win, end up winning the game, but... Just always one of those special memories for me and, and something that I think everyone who was there, uh, it's going to stay with them forever. Yeah, no, it's it was such a fantastic time. And yeah, you know, the game ended in the L or whatever, but it was one of those games where it, it felt like more so than any of those games on the road trip, like the Kraken were really in it. Like, OK, we can see the blueprint for for winning and all that kind of stuff. And and we saw that in the next game against Montreal in a Stanley Cup kind of rematch 100 plus years in the making. Uh, and, and they, you know, handled Montreal like it was nothing. But that first home opener, it was again, it was just so much fun. Uh, I remember doing the post game live for that one kicking that one off and everybody mm -hmm. was just so pumped to have seen it on TV and everything. And then all the reports of people leaving the arena for that first experience in house and everything, everybody had to say about the twins, right. And how, how unique that was and how all that worked and, and um, you know, what concessions were there and what was good. I remember that was the big thing early on, right. Uh, everybody just determining, you know, basically what was, what was worth the price tag and what wasn't and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And just all the, all the fun stuff about the in, in arena things that the Kraken were doing. It was our first look at all that kind of stuff. What's the in arena entertainment going to look like? What's the intermission games that they're going to do with fans going to look like all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was, it was just, again, it was so exciting that, you know, 
even though the Kraken lost that game, I don't think we really spent much time talking about the game at all anyway, just because it was (laughs) such a, it it was the first look and it was just such a fun and special moment overall that uh, I know, you know, again, it's all of these are moments nobody's going to forget, but those, especially for those in attendance, that's just such a special thing. Yeah, to, to know what a Kraken game is actually going to feel like <laughs> home yeah. game. Yeah, you, great point with all the, the in-arena experience stuff, too, because that's just something nobody had seen before. And, and the Twins mm-hmm. certainly made an impression on everyone. Yes. It, was, it was great. That's one thing I remember from Morning Skate is all the players just looking up at the twins just kind of trying to take it all in yeah. uh and it's something we saw from road teams coming to play their first game in seattle mm-hmm. all season but to see the kraken players doing that it was yeah. it was something special to remember yep oh man i just love all the like away teams the, the like kind of tennis heads as they like which, <laughs> where do i look it's so much fun exactly so that, that was a fun preview for that yeah all right moving on to number four and i'll let you take the lead on this one because you were in the building for this, and I was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Matty Benier's first NHL goal in that game against New Jersey, the first game of that eventual three-game win streak uh, that you talked about a little bit ago. Uh, tell us, Dylan, what was it like? Uh, and, and remind me again, because I was at home sidelined with COVID, but I was still so excited watching the game on my computer. Yeah, so you know, at this point of the season, where what 67 games in this is game 68 we all know how the season was going at the time they were 23 and 44 going into this game and it was just like everybody it had kind of turned into a little bit of a slog i think we can all agree but it was one we were all in together that was again the main takeaway from those post-game lives we were always in it together and we always ended up having a good time um but we had just gotten this shot in the arm of Matty Beniers. He was finally here. Michigan season ended a little bit earlier than many of us thought, uh, running into the juggernaut of, of uh, Cole Gutman, I believe. And um, <laughs> and uh, so Michigan season was over. We knew Matty Beniers was coming. We were so pumped for that. We saw how fantastic he had developed over that last season in Michigan. We were super excited to see this you know, offensive weapon, somebody who can come in, help out this crack and power play. We knew he could probably help out the PK too. We knew you know that he was a great two-way player, all that stuff. And then we get the the smallest of tastes against the Calgary Flames the game before, where in his first period of NHL hockey, he makes a no-look cross-ice pass to Ryan Donato to get his first NHL point. And we're just like, wow, we have not seen this from the Kraken, from a member of the Kraken, like ever, or certainly not in a long time to that point. So Everybody was riding this super high to come and see Matty Benier's first game in Seattle. We wanted to know, was that first game a fluke? Is he really for real? All of those questions kind of thing. And boy, does he answer. Just every time he steps on the ice, it's just electric. He ends up, I believe, leading the forwards in ice time for that game uh, because Haxtell just keeps going back to him because every time he's on the ice, he's just he's driving possession. He's making sure that the puck is ending up in the New Jersey end of the ice, and he just looks so fantastic. And then for that moment, I think it was the third period. It was, it was later on in the game. And again, this is a close game. This game ends up in a shootout, remember? So this is a big deal thing. And uh, they line up for that offensive zone face-off kind of thing. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a power play, was it? I don't think so. Um, but he wasn't taking the face-off, because that's why I'm thinking it might have been a power play. I think it was a power play. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was a power yeah. play. Yeah, and, and he looks over and he has the moment with Vince Dunn where it was kind of like, if the puck can get over to you, you're going to go for it. And so he knows, I got to get to the net. 
and he does, and he gets to the net, and the puck takes this weird way of getting there, and McCann gets a weird shot off, and it kind of just trickles out over to the right side of the crease there. Goalie's not in any position for it, but Matty Beniers is, and he's able to bury it, and then he loses his effing mind <laughs> as he's just scored <laughs> his first NHL as goal. As does everyone in the building. As does everybody in the building. That building was louder in that moment than I ever remember hearing it. Everybody was standing up. Most people were jumping up and down if the press bridge was anything to go off of because more so than any moment, and there was lots of moments where I felt like that press bridge was going to shake off its hinges. That was the moment where things were really getting dicey in my mind um, because everybody was just so excited. I think that was the only time you could not hear Nirvana, you know, the lithium goal song yep. playing because everybody was screaming so loud and was just so excited. I've never... Like, I'm trying to remember, I don't think I'd ever been in a building, I said this at the time, that was so electrified from one moment like that. Like, that was just, you know, peak of being somewhere in person. And that's really why we do any of these things live, right? That's why we as fans go to sporting events, why we go to concerts. It's for that shared communal experience of you and tens of thousands of other people sharing in a moment that you all know is special and cannot be repeated. And to be there for that was, was just super awesome. And, uh, and then obviously, you know, kickstarted Matty Beneers. Yeah. He scored some couple more goals, scores a lot of points in his remaining games with the team and all that kind of stuff. And we're all super pumped for him moving forward. But I just remember his face and the freak out and how, how excited the rest of the team got, you know, they weren't playing for much at that point in that season, you know what I mean? But they were, they were just so happy for that kid joining the team and they you know they knew how much that moment meant to not just him but everybody in that building and they celebrated appropriately that game was the first time where i i really just thought to myself yeah there's we have something really special here mm-hmm. um you know there, there's the question in the calculator yeah this guy might be really good yeah. uh but that game i think just kind of confirmed it in my mind and uh that goal was huge and <laughs> Um, I remember just being here, sitting in my chair, still, you know, quite under the weather. And as that goal scored, like, Matty scored. I can't believe it. He actually, yeah. like, of course it happened in that game. Like, he actually got it done in a season where it felt like so many things just kind of went wrong. And like, oh, of course that went wrong. It felt like finally it was like, of course it's going right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as soon as he joined the team. And also my other memory from that game, too, was in overtime. Yeah. When he had that long shift out there yep. and even juggled the puck around a devil's defender yep. and cut to the net, um, just really showcasing that skill that we hadn't seen uh, from anyone else. And I was just trying to really quickly go and cut that moment out so I could tweet it, just get the video because um, just highlight real stuff from Maddie Beniers. And I'm sure it was just fantastic to be in the building for that one. Yeah, it was just the, the clean zone entries, man. Like, I don't think you can appreciate Matty Beniers until you're in a building and you just watch him enter his zone and protect the puck all by himself. It's just, it's special. <laughs> Absolutely. I know Dylan just up there in the press box, like, oh yeah, those clean zone entries. <laughs> Gotta love it. He's like entering the zone and immediately shifting backwards to put his body between the puck. I'm just like, this, this is what we need. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely all right that that was a fun one Mm -hmm. but we're gonna move on to number three Mm -hmm. and that is kraken day so that is march 2nd uh kraken day i guess happens every year the kraken won't have a home game uh on kraken day this year unfortunately why would the league do Uh, that to us it's not that hard you got one job 
<laughs> create yeah, a complicated schedule that's it <laughs> yeah no you know we mix together 32 teams and all the different dates for 82 games how hard can it be yeah. uh yeah the kraken will be in detroit on kraken day uh for a road game this year but let's look back at kraken day last year the first ever kraken day there will only be one mm-hmm. first ever kraken day um and this is the first of the two games we're going to talk about where I feel like it couldn't have happened without that Colorado game, because this was a game that, you know, in the marketing and everything was really centered around the fans. Yep. Uh, and I feel like the players really ha- felt this responsibility uh, to give the fans a memorable game here. And you have to look at the context in which this game happened to the Kraken were in the middle of, well, not in the middle, they had a seven game losing streak going at this point. Uh, and in fact, this game would be their only win in a 12 game stretch. I mean, it was rough. Uh, they <laughs> they had just lost. Well, I think they had lost their last. Let's count one, two, three, four, uh, five, yeah, they were five going. home games, yeah. <laughs> five game home losing streak, seven game losing streak overall. And I think the team and the players really just kind of took pride. Look, we, we need to do something. This is a special game for everyone. And it started in kind of the predictable way where we're all like, okay, of course this is happening again uh, because they go down two nothing early in the second period. And we know how these two goal deficits had gone. Uh, but all of a sudden there was a spark and, and something changed and the Kraken scored three goals in two minutes and 39 seconds. So three goals in under three minutes to take the lead. Uh, and it's one of those moments where the energy in the building just kind of builds off each successive thing happening. And I love this when you uh, when you have a number of goals just kind of back to back to back where it, it just escalates. Uh, the energy in the building is as everyone kind of starts to believe and, and you start at Wenberg, Yarncroak, and then Yanni Gord with that third one. Um, just so great to be in the building and, and just feeling the electricity in the air. Um, and then the Preds tie it. And then you have what might be my favorite goal of the season. I have to go back and look, but it's certainly one that comes to mind right away. Colin Blackwell's shorthanded goal to take the lead. Again, might be my favorite of the season. He takes four or five whacks at this puck uh, under UC Soros, finally knocks it in, and he was so fired up. That celebration, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you can pretty easily lip-read the whole let's effing go yeah. <laughs> from Colin Blackwell. He was excited. The fans were excited, uh, and they got that one done. Yeah, and you know it's, it is important to, to, I think, put it in context of, yes, we were playing Nashville. And we had a dicey history up until this point with Nashville. You know what I mean? Like our games against Nashville had not gone well. Uh, They were games that we felt like were games that we should have had, all that kind of stuff. And so for them to come in into town on on Kraken Day, you know, lead after one, get the Matt Duchesne power play goal seven minutes in. But then, like you said, that spark of Alexander Wenberg shooting a puck (laughs) <laughs> and scoring I don't... about 30 seconds after that Matt Duchesne goal to put the Preds up to nothing. Cause that's the other aspect of this is that it happened like right away. And it was, I remember being on the couch watching this game and just sinking into the couch, just being like, okay, it's going to be one of those gays and, and reaching for my phone. 
because I'm just like, I can't handle this again. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've seen this all season kind of thing. And then Wenberg comes in and scores and you're just like, wait, what? Did I see that? Is that actually what's happening now? And then your interest is peaked a minute and a half later. You got Yarn Croak going, scoring against his old team, all that kind of stuff. And it and it just built from there. And it turned into such a special night, obviously, with the capper being that shorthanded Blackwell goal, as you mentioned. Um, it was just a special moment kind of really thrown in there during, you know, the most dogged of days of this Kraken season. <laughs> it was just... It seemed endless at some times, some of, some of what was going on. But to have this moment and to have the team seize it and be like, no, this is our day. Uh, this is this is our thing. And we're going to make sure we make this happen and just put on a fantastic and exciting show for everybody. Yep. No, they, they sure did. And I, I remember the post game live for that afterward. It was just um, kind of such a relief for the, to share that with everyone. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, just the energy on on that one because we just did not want an eighth loss in a row. I remember those post game lives have been getting a little repetitive yeah. uh, with the losing and kind of in the same fashion. And it was yeah. just it was a fun departure from that. Yeah, no, we were it was it was rough at times. Like I said, it was all good because we all had each other. That's I think the only thing that really got all of us through it. Uh, was we all had each other and we always ended up having a good time on those post game lives. I remember we always ended up joking and that that was super fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was a rough point of the schedule. I, I don't think anybody can deny that. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. That was that was a very rough stretch. Um, but for number two, moment number mm-hmm. two, let's go before all of that back to yep. the good early optimistic times uh, for the the team's first ever game, first ever yep. regular season game in Las Vegas. And this was certainly one of those it's finally real moments mm-hmm. uh, for you and I. And uh, this memory will certainly always stick with me because the two of us got to go travel yeah. that game and watch it together, uh, which was just something that's that's special in a, in a way I, I struggle yeah. to describe because uh, we've had a lot of great hockey moments in our friendship. And, and this one certainly, you know, at or near the top of the list, um, certainly for me, because, it, it you know, you have your team winning the Stanley Cup, uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, the Penguins, you know, which was probably a little more special for you than it was for me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's certainly an all time hockey memory and um, getting to be down on the glass for warmups. I mean, that's what yeah. is one of the benefits of not going there as media, you know, at the time is that that we could be right up close mm-hmm. uh, to watch all of warmups. And that's what it really sunk into me. Like, this is, this is real. Yeah. They're about to play a real game that means something. Um, and uh, yeah, and the game itself was good too. I, I know you've got the infamous kick in goal or whatever, but the, the Kraken made a game of it. Yeah. And that's something we were hoping for as it was three, nothing that they would come back and they did come back to tie it. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, all the special stuff, all the lead up to it, uh, all the all the fun stuff outside of Vegas, you know, it's Vegas, they know how to put on a show, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but all the Kraken fans that were there and how excited everybody was and and how many Kraken fans were there. That was like my first big there takeaway. There were a lot. It was like, oh, awesome. Like, this is cool. That was like the first glimpse really into, at least for me, because I wasn't up there for training camp but preseason of like, how awesome this fan base was going to be was just like how many people Mm -hmm. made the trek out to Vegas and all that. And let's not, let's not forget too, right. It was earlier that day. We find out guys are in COVID protocol. 
<laughs> right? It was crazy. It was like it was like this whole mess of like the team traveling, and then there was like COVID protocol issues, and then it was just who's going to be able to play, who's going to get clearance? Because like like literally up until game time, basically, we didn't know exactly who was going to be in the lineup. So I remember all that going on. Um, but then, like you said, for me, it was it was like seeing them come out for warm-ups as we were fighting off all the other fans to be there at the glass to try to record it for everybody and everything and um it was it was that moment of like i i just remember having this moment of oh yeah they're a team <laughs> like like mm-hmm. that's all that goes to the mind. you know me right like I, I everything i get surprised very little and all that kind of stuff and and so for me it was like it wasn't like this wow they exist and all this stuff it was just like all right they're an nhl team now like they look legit because they're doing warm up shenanigans and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like it was it was more so like being in an opposing barn and everything, and especially a place like Vegas that was you know a little upset about losing the whole new kid on the block uh, moniker and everything. So to have them come out and and just have it feel like they were an NHL team was like a big deal for me. It was like being in that hostile environment and just being like, hey, we look like we belong. That's that's awesome. You know what I mean? That was, that was my big takeaway. Yeah, no, that's great. And I remember, I'm glad you brought up the COVID stuff because that was crazy going into the game. We thought that a number of Kraken players were going to be out and this was going to kind of spoil the debut and just like, Oh, of course, you know, we got to deal with this. And I remember being outside the arena. We were there already. Mm -hmm. I think we had just finished talking to a friend of the show, Ken Bolke from Sinbin, uh, Vegas. And, um, we, we, Walked away from him and, and we're going back out to the front of the arena and I'm just scrolling Twitter and I see, wait a sec, they're in. All of them, they're in. They're, they're, they're yeah. cleared COVID protocol. We're like, what? Uh, so it was just an insane moment there. And then post-game live, yes. do you remember leaving the game yes. and trying to rush back to our hotel room to get there for post-game live in time? And that one... Not you know even so much for the Kraken, but for ECH, that was such a special moment, uh, I think, for me and for us because... It was the first one that we did. We yeah. didn't know how it was going to go. Right. A lot of unknowns. And especially being, you know, at the hotel, we didn't have, you know, our, our nice rooms behind us. We didn't have our normal setup. Uh, we were at a hotel room. I think I had had to put a shirt over the lampshade yep. to get the lighting right. Uh, we had some technical difficulties with the, the hotel Wi-Fi where it didn't exactly go as planned. But I was amazed to see how many of you stuck with us mm-hmm. because we had even had to restart the stream because it was, yeah. you know, it wasn't going right. And it, you know, took a few minutes. And we still had so many people on there and everyone just chat was buzzing. Everyone was excited to talk about how the Kraken did in their first game. And it was one of those moments where I felt like, hey, we might have something special here mm-hmm. uh, that, that this is how it's going, despite everything that kind of went wrong yeah. at the beginning. Um, and I, what I think it went for like an hour and a half, almost two hours. We weren't sure how long it was going to go. Yeah. And we're like, well, we'll just keep going until everyone, you know, kind of drops off. And then no one did. Right. Everyone was there just past midnight even uh to experience that with us and and i will always remember that yeah no it was it was so much fun and it is one of those moments that i do i think about that a lot actually and and just how janky it was with the whole laptop stream (laughs) the wi-fi issues as you mentioned the shirt to to try to diffuse the light uh we couldn't fit two chairs in between the beds because like we were using the (laughs) desk between the two beds and we couldn't fit two chairs in there so that was a struggle uh like all of it was so janky and just thrown together but yeah i mean it was just everybody's shared excitement over 
what it was and and we all knew how special that moment was that first game and we all just wanted to come together and and share that with each other and and that's really what all of the post game lives became and and yeah it just is so special all of those have been so special but that one was the one where yes you could look and and say like wow this is going to be something and uh it's going to be a heck of a ride <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. I know we uh, we went and got some pizza, you know, like 1230 a.m. Yeah, yeah. pizza right after that. And we, we just couldn't stop talking about, you know, how mm -hmm. how great that was. And um, just we, we couldn't believe how well it went. Yeah, no, it was it was really awesome. And I think that might have been the conversation where we also decided, you know what, maybe an hour cap on these isn't a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we uh, were like, we might need to shorten these. I mean, you know, yeah. the people kind of go forever, but uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, might might be best if we, if we and, cap them, but that yeah. that was a special one for and, sure. And real quick before we move on to the number one moment, my big takeaway from yes. that game, Tanov. Tanov's for mm. real. He was a force in that yep. game, and that was our first inclination of that. And Donato scoring the first goal in franchise history, all that that was cool too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that was a huge moment. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, we were we were kind of freaking out. Like, wait, who is it? You know, who got it's yeah. Donato, right? Donato. This, okay, he's a... he's the answer to the question. Total snipe right in front of us too. Like one of those where you could just see it on a line. Leave his stick right there. It was awesome. Yep, off that rebound, he just had it. Yeah. Um. So so that was nice. All right. And talking about this, it makes me want to just like move that to number one. But there's so many. I mean, I, I feel like it'd be three, four number ones. Um. But on to number one on this list. And that is the final home game of the regular season and appreciation night. And I think this is kind of where everything came together uh, to put things in a positive direction on the season. And this is the second of the two games where I feel like couldn't have happened uh, without that Colorado game. And you've seen this consistently in those games where it's something special for the fans uh, and the players know it. And they feel it and they go above and beyond to make sure uh, that they play well for those special moments. And, and I think we certainly saw it uh, in this game. A nothing win for the Kraken, notable for a few different reasons. I mean, first of all, a shutout, given yeah. all of the defensive woes uh, on the season for the Kraken, uh, a shutout and a convincing shutout too. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Drieger in net for that one too. And, and also, you know, the, Philip Grubauer had kind of gotten his game back together. It had been a rough season for Drieger. To see him put everything together in that game was huge. Um, you know, Adam Larson scoring a big goal in that game. I, I know you love to see that. Yep. Um, and, and just the Rask. contributions from everyone. I know. <laughs> yep. Um, Victor Rask scoring a goal. I mean, it was just the perfect game for, for you, Dylan, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, it just there, there was no low moment. There was no lull. It was just, um, you know, two goals in the first period. It, you got the sense that this game was was going to be a good one. Uh, and it was. And I, I talked about the Colorado game to start off this list. But that's something that the players brought up unprompted after this. Because, mm -hmm. of course, it's fan appreciation night and they get this big win. And um, you, you talk about it afterward. And all the questions are, you know, what did it mean to win this game in front of the fans? You know, all the standard questions. But I felt like the answers weren't just the canned answers well you know it you know, means so much and you know they're a great crowd but they talked about look you you go back to this Colorado game where we were at the lowest of the lows of moments we possibly could have had and these fans stuck by us and we never forgot that mm -hmm. and so for a game like this we wanted to go out there and, and get this win for them because we knew how important it was it was the final uh home game and I think 
it, it just really set the tone kind of for the whole organization heading into the off season where yes, this was a rough year, but things are looking up and they're getting better. And it's a tone that I think they've kind of stuck with all off season Mm -hmm. with the team improving the way they did with getting Shane Wright at number four in the draft. It feels kind of like a straight line almost from that game to now. Uh, And it's certainly just, uh, I think deserving of the number one spot just for the significance, I think of what it means. And, I mean, for post-game live, mm-hmm. to join you for that, because I was so eager to join you after the after the media stuff, it just it felt like a party. It felt yeah. like a celebration of everything that we had all gone through together uh, as a community this season. And, and that's why it made the number one spot for me. Right. And and the big thing I'll always remember from that game, I mean, besides the fact that it was one of maybe, you know, three games all year that it just felt like the Kraken were in control of from start to finish um, was the, all the community stuff was the fan appreciation stuff that they did that. Right. You know um, all the fans and community members we knew, right. That got to go out there and get jerseys off the backs of these Kraken members. All the people that we knew were there for that games, all the signs that they had and all the, all the memories everybody was sharing um, for you know, for the season, kind of similar to what we're doing here now, right? Everybody just talking about all those moments, um, people coming into town that weren't local to make sure that they can, you know, see the Kraken for that inaugural season and, and getting everybody getting to meet and all of that stuff. It was just a special um, event all the way around and one that that for sure 100 percent felt dedicated to the Kraken fan base. And it and it and I think the Kraken did an excellent job of doing that, not just on the ice but off the ice too. And um, I think everybody knew that, and that's why you know technically it wasn't their last game of the season. You got that weird one-off game against Winnipeg in, um, <laughs> on May first, the makeup game or whatever. But it did it did very much feel like that for all of us in the community. It was that moment where we all got together and we were just like, wow, we you know we we made it and and look at all the friends we made along the way and all the great times we had and all the memories that we'll cherish forever and all of that stuff and and it was just kind of the perfect end cap to to that season look at all the friends we made along the way that that really mm-hmm. kind of you know sums up the, the mood and what was most important um and yeah i'll share another memory from this i um with uh, you know, my friend Charles from Circling Seattle Sports, and um, he had kind of gone down to to meet this like roving group of Kraken uh, fans that you know some of we knew like Medeiros was in there, Caitlin was in there. They had a whole bunch mm-hmm. of you know in the group, and um, he had met with them. But I had to you know do something. Uh, I forget what it was. Some some kind of coverage thing before the game. And I was like, Do you think there's time? You know, before the game that we could find them. And he's like, Yeah, I don't know where they are, but we can walk around the concourse yeah. and try to find them. And uh, so we walked around, basically did a lap. And then finally we found them, took some pictures with them, uh, you know, gave out some stickers and some pins and just those moments are just mm-hmm. so awesome to to kind of see the people that you've interacted with all season, yeah. you know, through the post games that, you know, a lot of out of town and uh, just came in for this game because it was that special game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be able to finally meet people for the first time, you know, put a face to the names and uh, just such a wonderful experience. And then also to, you know, maybe even take some pictures for them as they're getting the jerseys off the players' backs, yep. you know, because I got that nice vantage point and the zoom on my camera. Um such a fun day. I, I I will never forget that. Yeah, no, it was a it was a night for the fans, and it was it was definitely made by the fans, and it was it was absolutely awesome. And and that's I think a perfect segue to go back into talking about us wanting to hear all your favorite moments 
from the Kraken's first season. What was the most memorable moment for you as a Kraken fan? When was it, you know, was it your first game experience seeing them? Was it the first time that you felt like the team was real? Was it the first time you realized, hey, that's going to be my player and that's the jersey I want? You know what I mean? Like there's there's so many great things to choose from. And I know for many of you, it's going to be hard to narrow it down to just one moment. Um, but I'm super excited to hear what everybody has to say. And I'm super excited to kind of make that next next podcast episode really dedicated to the community and just everybody uh, appreciating the season that was that that phenomenal first season as we as we you know really move full steam ahead into season two now uh i'm really really pumped for it so once again going to give the phone number for people to call and leave a voice message uh if you want to hear it in the next podcast that number is going to be 425 243-7053 and then you can also feel free to email us uh the email on the website there uh is it was it contact at emerald contact city? yeah contact at emeraldcityhockey.com yeah you can email us there we'll we'll read them next week on the podcast if you want us to uh you can you know contact us through social media as always at emerald city hky uh, you, you guys all know that already. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm super excited to see what everyone has. I think we're going to put, uh, we need to put a deadline on this though, just so we'll have a couple days to compile it and get it all ready. So should we do Friday or Saturday, RJ? What do you, what do you think? Uh, let's see, Let, let's do Saturday. I think we could, we can work with those couple days. So Saturday the 20th. Yeah. So why don't we say, you know, like eight o'clock Saturday night, everybody. That's that's going to be the deadline. That's when uh, we'll, we'll call it off. That gives you a week to figure out your best moment and uh, get it into us. And super excited to, to hear what everybody's got to say. Yeah, absolutely. As fun as this was going through all the moments with you, I, even more so, I'm looking forward to next week's episode because uh, I know there are a thousand different moments and stories out there uh, from all of you, and I, I can't wait to hear them. Exactly. So with that, we'll get everybody, you know, let you all think about it. Uh, and um, until next time, we'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs>